BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. CDC goes woke. A recent memo released by the Centers for Disease Control claims racism is a, quote, public health threat. It's just the latest attempt by the left to shoehorn the racial agenda into pretty much everything. Friends, let's get into it. It's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. If you thought the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, were entirely focused on controlling disease, dealing with matters of health and epidemiology, you would be wrong. And you're seeing yet another example of this. The CDC is, like so many of our federal agencies and bureaucracies, a now largely partisan institution that engages in a whole lot of mission creep based upon the needs of the authoritarian left. And at any point in time, we've seen this with the DOJ, we've seen this with the Department uh, of, of Education, you've seen this with the Environmental Protection Agency, and now you see it with the CDC, it's all over the place. Federal bureaucrats are overwhelmingly either leftists themselves or go along with the ideology of the left. And the latest from the CDC chief, Rochelle Walensky, is as follows. The disparities seen over the past year were not the result of COVID-19. Instead, the pandemic illuminated inequities that have existed for generations and revealed for all of America a known but often unaddressed epidemic impacting public health, racism. That's right. There is a racism epidemic, according to the CDC. How do we measure that? How do we deal with that? How do we handle it? Where does it come from? Who is guilty of it? Who's, who's committing the racism epidemic? Racism is an act between human beings, right? It's not just a thing. It has to be people making decisions. So where are these racists that are making people less healthy or making people sick or pushing them into less healthy decisions? Can we, can we name some of them or no, we, we have no, it's, oh, it's the system. It's always systemic racism, which has now been even expanded into this concept of white supremacy. And what does the left claim is white supremacy? Whatever they want, anything they want to tear down and destroy, they'll just say, well, that's white supremacy in action or it's tied to it or whatever the case may be. Now even COVID-19 is falling into this racial rubric. This is the way the CDC is discussing this. They want to do the following. I mentioned what will they do to, to handle the problem, right? The CDC is in the middle of a pandemic, folks, and they're releasing statements about the racism pandemic while we still have an actual pandemic going on. Okay. Study the impact of racism on health outcomes. Expand investments in racial and ethnic minority communities. Expand internal agency efforts to foster greater diversity. Launch new racism and health web portal. No serious person thinks that these are going to do anything serious to help anyone when it comes to health disparities or anything else. And you know, one of the data points that's often, point, that's often seized on by the left here to make this argument about, uh, about the pandemic of racism right now is that you have a lower life expectancy on average for African-American and Latino Americans than you do for white Americans. 
But what's interesting is they always leave out who has the highest life expectancy by racial group in America, Asian Americans, substantially so, in fact. Just like Asian Americans actually have the highest per capita household income, higher than their white counterparts in America. Yet we're always told that racism comes exclusively from white Americans, the white community, white people, and that white supremacy is this ever-present force that is creating name any problem in minority communities and it can be tied to and comes from white supremacy. This is toxic. This is an incredibly destructive narrative that's being pushed on us by the media, by the Biden administration all the time. Uh, It's fundamentally untrue. It's also fundamentally unhelpful. There are a lot of reasons for health disparities among people. Some of them have to do with socioeconomics, but that's actually not a racial issue. That's a class and finance issue. That's a how much money do people have? That's a whether you have a certain household income. Now we could have a conversation about access to healthcare based upon your income level, but to claim that somehow within the system there's an inherent bias that's killing people of certain ethnicities because of the pandemic of racism, where? Where is this happening? How is this systemic racism inside the system? Show us these points. Show us who the racists are. What are they really saying? If you look at data for COVID-19, are you breaking it down? CDC, for example, is the CDC breaking it down based on comorbidity and based on age? Because if there's a disparity between certain groups where there is a greater prevalence of obesity or greater prevalence of type 2 diabetes, that which comes down to largely individual decision-making, as well as genetics, as well as culture, as well as grocery store access in your neighborhood, whatever it may be. There's a lot of factors that go into this, but the CDC wants you to believe that racism, they put this out today, racism is the reason for the disparities. Well, um, here's the problem with all this, of course. It's unhelpful and it's untrue, but they're gonna continue with it, and that means there will be policies built upon this. Here is the governor of Vermont, which is a state that is overwhelmingly white, by the way, but he wants to be woke. He wants to be considered in in good company with the left. Here he is. If you or anyone in your household identifies as black, indigenous, or a person of color, including anyone with Abenaki or other First Nations heritage, all household members who are 16 or older can sign up to get a vaccine. Uh, So they're changing access levels based upon someone's ethnicity to a life-saving, potentially life-saving vaccine. This is now what we've turned into as a country. This is what's happening in America. Whatever happened to equal protection under the law, it has been replaced with equity. And equity is whatever people in charge think is fair. Whatever the cultural Marxists of the left think looks good, think is fair, that's what equity really is. And this is the country we're all living in now. Remember, they want to be in charge, meaning the left and the Democrats, of all of your health care. They want to be making all of your health care decisions. And yet they think that there should be a, a balancing. You know, maybe some people need to be put at the back of the line so that, remember the New York Times, actually, this was, this was written about in the pages of the New York Times. You know, maybe you need to make sure that we have uh, more people who are not under, you know, an underprivileged minority status who die from the virus to balance things out. That was an argument made in the New York Times pages in the last 12 months. You see more of this? This is, this is appalling, but 
This is the country we live in now. And the Biden administration's pushing this in every way that they possibly can. That's right. Old rich white guy, Joe Biden, he, he really cares so much about minority communities and their health. He's so woke. Who believes this? All right, almost 19,000 migrant children were stopped at the U.S. border in March, the most ever in a single month, and there's apparently no end in sight. After the break, Chairman of the Texas GOP, Alan West, will give us his perspective on this continued crisis. We're living in very uncertain times, and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government's passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now. Learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now, 833-600-GOLD, 833-600-G-O-L-D. The crisis at the border continues to worsen by the day. CBP agents saying they have encountered more than 19,000 unaccompanied minors in the past month alone, an all-time high. The Washington Post is reporting the administration is spending $60 million per week to take care of these children. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is pointing all fingers of blame at President Biden. These problems are a byproduct of President Biden's open border policies and the lack of planning for the fallout from those disastrous policies. So why hasn't the president or the border czar, the vice president, Kamala Harris, actually visited the border yet? Let's bring in Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, to discuss. Alan, good to see you as always. Thanks for, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Buck. Thank you. So unlike White House leadership, you recently made a trip to the border. What did you see? Well, you saw people, uh, scouts out there early on during the day, uh, looking for the availability of crossing points, scouting out to see where the law enforcement officers on the other side, our side of the Rio Grande River, the uh, local police or any border patrol agents were. And of course, they're spread out thin. And of course, when the sun goes down, that's when they bring people in and they start to just ferry right across the Rio Grande River. And that's what you see up and down the uh, the border. What is so disconcerting is that they are not containing these individuals into what I would call a border zone down along that border area. But here in Dallas, uh, we have some 4,000 illegal immigrant males at the uh, Dallas Cape Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. Uh, we know what's going on down in San Antonio. You have another 1,000 that are out there in Midland, and they're also starting to put these illegal immigrants out on our military installations, such as Fort Bliss, Texas, which to me threatens our national security. And we know that we have individuals that have been on terrorist watch lists. Uh, two individuals from Yemen were recently uh, detained, as well as sexual offenders and others. Texas is the number one state for human and sex trafficking. I don't think we should be allowing uh, this to happen at this time. Dallas and Houston are the top two cities for human and sex trafficking in the United States of America. You mentioned how overwhelmed Border Patrol agents are. I mean, with thousands of, of children now 
in uh, U.S. federal agent custody. That means a border patrol is being pulled away from border duties. What does that mean for the cartels on the other side of the border and, and just overall security and rule of law down along the U.S.-Mexico border? Well, we're losing the ability to maintain and sustain the rule of law to control our border. When we have our Border Patrol agents basically running kindergarten and pre-K uh, classes, that means that you don't have the people that are out there. That's why I think that we have, should have a full mobilization of our National Guard to get down on the border to seal off and secure these infiltration routes. And I don't call them cartels anymore. These, these are, this is a terrorist organization. When you look and see some of the things they're doing on the south side, of the Rio Grande River and also some of the things that they are enacting on this side of the Rio Grande River. So we have to take this threat very seriously, but Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not. Senator Colonel West, you're also a NRA board member. What is your reaction to Joe Biden's uh, specific gun control proposals yesterday? Well, for me, it's very disconcerting when I hear a president of the United States of America say that constitutional rights are not absolute. Uh, That's part of our Bill of Rights, and the Second Amendment is part of our Bill of Rights. And so no executive order can take away our individual rights. Uh, What's next? Will he take away our freedom of religion? Will he uh, restrict our freedom of speech, expression, our right to petition government for redress of grievances? So what we saw yesterday was a dictator. And it was so funny that Joe Biden, when he was running for office, said that he would not use executive orders because that would be similar to being a dictator. Well, he has become that which he prophesied. Are you also noticing, because this is what I'm seeing, Alan, that uh, there's No discussion in the corporate media or certainly by the Democrat Party of the fact that we had last year a record number of homicides in the United States stretching back over 20 years. I mean, the official data won't come in now for a few more months, but the preliminary data on murders across the U.S. shows it was a terrible year for violent crime. And there are some reasons we could point to about that, though the media is not talking about it. What what do you think were the causes of the violent crime spike, particularly homicide spike last year. Well, first and foremost, the Democrat Party advocating for a defunding of police. Here in Texas, in Austin, Texas, where you have far left progressive socialists in control of that city, they defunded the police in Austin by $150 million. You had a 63% increase in violent crime. And you see that in all of these Democrat controlled cities. You have these district attorneys that were supported by George Soros, who are out there releasing criminals onto the streets and not prosecuting criminals as well. And then you have the scourge of gang violence, which again, these are unlawful individuals that are acquiring firearms, but yet the easy lift and the narrative from the left is to go after legal law-abiding gun owners that put us at risk and don't allow us to uh, defend ourselves. The number one demographic that is purchasing firearms in the United States of America are suburban white females. Uh, And Alan, I also wanna ask about the uh, announcement today by the White House of a commission to investigate the possibility of expanding the Supreme Court. Remember, this came up during the presidential uh, contest where people were pointing out that Joe Biden seemed like he didn't want to answer the question about court packing. Now it looks like it's a live issue. Do you think that they actually will, will pull the trigger on this, so to speak, and try to pack the courts? Or is Biden just announcing this commission so that he can... Uh, mollify his far left base. 
No, I think the left is emboldened. When you look at these executive actions that they have taken, the conversations about making D.C. a state and now uh, packing the Supreme Court, there is no reason, there is no uh, guess or uh, question about why they are comparing Joe Biden to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the last person that talked about packing the United States Supreme Court. So I think that they're going to try to do everything that they possibly can before the midterms of 2022 when they know they will face a resounding defeat. They want to try to put all of these mechanisms in place. That's why you see H.R. 1, H.R. 5, H.R. 8, undermining our constitutional rights, especially the Second Amendment, and now talking about altering the uh, third branch of our government, the judicial branch. Just before we let you go, uh, uh, Alan, I want to know, we pull, come back full circle here. Are you seeing political fallout for Democrats in your home state of Texas because of the border crisis? Are, are, are the Democrats starting to, to realize that the American people aren't with them on this, or has that not happened yet? Well, no. As a matter of fact, you look at the uh, very far left Democrat mayor of Del Rio. He has come out very strongly against the policies of the open border that you see from this uh, Biden administration. And we know that the mayor of North Las Vegas just changed his registration from Democrat to Republican because he says the Democrat Party has been taken over by socialists and socialism. So I think that you're starting to see people say, this is not what I voted for. And uh, they're going to have very big consequences. But the left believes that they can get all of the disastrous policies they want into effect before the midterms of 2022. Alan West, everybody. Alan, always good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Buck. The media seems desperate to rehabilitate Hunter Biden's image, but recently released photos of the president's son are going to make that a lot more difficult. We got more on that with Rogan O'Hanley, better known as DC Drano, after the break. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own? I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investment, but I didn't know how to invest in real estate while staying committed to my profession. Like you, I'm really busy. Hours and hours a day of programming and content creation. And how was I ever gonna actually take the time to invest in real estate on my own without making big rookie mistakes? Well, then I met my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. They took all of the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For Your Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. Every step of the process, from picking the city, the house, the mortgage lender, getting a management team in place, getting a tenant. Doneforyoubuck.com, doneforyoubuck.com. Check it out today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
when they ask you if that was your laptop, you say you don't know, which yeah. is hard to believe unless you read the book. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, I'm surprised you have shoes on. Yeah. You know? You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I made it. I made it today. Pants were the problem. Pants were the problem. Yeah. Pants are always yeah, the problem, always really. The problem. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, look, I really don't know. And the fact of the matter is it's a red herring. It is absolutely red herring. But... I am absolutely, um, I think, within my, my rights to question anything that comes from the, uh, from the desk of Rudy Giuliani. Hmm. There's Hunter Biden during his on-air back rub. You could call it an interview, I guess, with late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel. The president's son is out promoting his new book entitled Beautiful Things, a memoir that explores his struggle with drug and alcohol addiction. It's all part of an attempt, though, by Biden World and a very compliant media to rehabilitate Hunter's image, despite efforts to portray him as a gentle, misguided soul. New photos, reportedly from Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. Wow, we're actually showing the photos, guys? Reveal a level of degeneracy that would make Caligula blush. Hard to believe the media would offer this level of indulgence if Hunter's last name were Trump. Joining me now to talk about this is Rogan O'Hanley, better known by his... Enormously popular and influential online handle, Mr. DC Drano on uh, Instagram and social media. Rogan, great to see you. First, before we get into the hunter, can I just ask, what happened to your Twitter, man? Are, are you in Are you in Twitter jail right now? No, I'm still in Twitter jail. Uh, I got kicked out of CPAC for not wearing my mask in the supposed free state of Florida where I live, but apparently Orlando has stricter rules than most, and my Twitter was disabled that night. Uh, stay tuned for some legal developments. I promise they're going to be spicy once I'm allowed to release them by my lawyers. All right. That's what we like to hear, man. Stay in the fight, as we know you do. Now, let's talk about Hunter Biden here for a second. Uh, we still have people in the media that are playing this game, Rogan, uh, where they're saying, May- maybe the laptop was real. Uh, what does it take, you think, for people in the commentary and news reporting sections of uh, of America to finally say, obviously this laptop was real. Yeah, I think everyone knows it's real. It's uh, I think they're employing the Cuomo defense strategy where he was being targeted for thousands of uh, unnecessary, potentially intentional deaths at nursing homes. And so they distract you with uh, you know these sexual harassment claims, which certainly need to be investigated. And those victims deserve to be heard. But Uh, in most people's opinions, nowhere near the level of severity of thousands of deaths. And so I think what they're doing here, while, uh, you know, very upsetting to see a lot of the stuff that was on Hunter Biden's laptop, everyone knows it's his laptop, Uh, don't mock our intelligence, but they're distracting from the stuff that ties into Joe Biden. Remember, this is the laptop that had 10% for the big guy with the China deals. This is the laptop Uh, You know, for the guy that Joe Biden stopped the investigators and prosecutors looking into while he was on the board of the Ukrainian gas company, both of which are issues that involve use and abuse of American government powers by Joe Biden. And that is, frankly, who we need to really be investigating and uh, hopefully bring in some punishment. Now, Rogan, I, I have to wonder, what also is the explanation for how it's possible that that it, it seems now Hunter Biden filled out a background check form, which despite what we would think from what Hunter Biden's dad, Joe, has been saying this week, 
Background checks are routinely done during gun sales all across the country millions and millions of times. But he checked off the box that said that he was not a habitual user of illegal drugs. That is almost certainly not true. I have a feeling that there's not going to be a whole lot of poking around into this, is there? Well, I can already envision his defense strategy, which is, you know, they didn't specify meth or crack on the background application. So maybe that was his loophole, but uh, kind of hard to uh, check that box for him, especially when he's been to rehab so many times. I mean, there are a few people in this country more well known for their drug addiction. And yet the guy that is now uh, gonna be pushing out executive orders on gun control, trying to tighten uh, the restrictions from guns getting into the hands of criminals like his son, uh, you know, but again, we probably won't see an investigation into Hunter Biden and that. And that's why people have really lost faith in a lot of our DC institutions, especially the DOJ and the FBI. You think that Hunter Biden is gonna be able to continue to count on the media to just catch his back even after we have photos of him out there? Right now, people can see them with naked prostitutes that he's paying to engage in illicit behavior with him. I mean, it, I, I don't know what, and he's going on the Jimmy Kimmel show and it's, it's all laughs, Rogan. I don't understand how, how anyone could see this and not feel like we're living in an upside down crazy world. It, it, it feels evil, to be honest, to watch them laughing about this. Like, oh, at least I have my pants on. And they're laughing in Hollywood at the absolute denigration and destruction of the US government, of what it means to be you know, a member of a family that's ruling the country. I mean, I would have expected Joe Biden to come out and say, you know what, I disavow and, and you know, do not stand by uh, Hunter Biden's actions. Instead, he's you know, full-throated support of everything he's done, but this is the same type of culture. You know, this is why people are turning, tuning out of Hollywood. Grammys are at record low ratings, Oscars, uh, you know, the SAG Awards, no one's tuning in because they've just seen what this industry has become, just a dark, uh, you know, evil kind of place that celebrates, you know, little Nas X doing a twerk on, uh, you know, a CGI rendition of Satan and for him putting out shoes with a drop of blood, but Aunt Jemima gets canceled. Dr. Seuss gets canceled. So, you know, people are waking up to this type of hypocrisy and, and, and really just disgusting, you know, behavior. Rogan, one thing that you've been able to do so successfully is to point out truth through satire and, and humor in what you do with your, your DC Drano accounts on Instagram and, and the rest of social media. Clearly, I mean, we just had YouTube take down, I'm, I'm sure you saw this, a, a round table of experts with the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, and a whole bunch of MDs, including from Stanford University and from, from top institutions, sitting at a table talking about lockdowns and mask mandates. YouTube has pulled that off. You're somebody who is in the midst of this, right? You're somebody that actually is, is also being targeted by these social media companies, as am I, by the way. How do we fight back against this? I mean, how do we make sure that you are able to put out the content that holds the mirror up to the absurdity of the Biden administration and the Democrat policies in general? Well, you know, it's it's an absolute atrocity what's going on with social media censorship. And I think it's no surprise that Governor DeSantis is being targeted because he is actually at the forefront of enacting state level legislation to punish these social media companies to the tune of $10,000 to $100,000 every day that they deplatform candidates for office in 
the state of Florida. And you know, Florida, as we all know, is doing extremely well in terms of their COVID policies. And what DeSantis pushes as a strategy is protecting the elderly, but keeping most of society open. You know, he's banned vaccine passports, but you know, we don't have the state level mask mandate. We've been open longer than most. You know, some of the counties do enact different things. But so big tech and you know, the Biden allies. Uh, you know, who CDC, they want to go after the people that disprove their narrative. They want to go after the people that are actually fighting back against them. And Trump did it too. He got deplatformed off Twitter. I am optimistic uh, for a couple things. One, I do believe state level legislation, which is being enacted in Texas and other places, uh, will have a strong effect. And I am very optimistic with what Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, wrote about in a concurring opinion that does not, uh, you know, control as legal precedent right now, saying that these big tech companies effectively need to be treated as public utilities. Otherwise, uh, you know, if they can just delete the president of the United States with no repercussion, that's wrong. That needs to be changed. Rogan, always appreciate your perspective, man. Stay in the fight, as we said. Appreciate it. Thank you, Buck. You as well, brother. As scandals continue to swirl around Governor Andrew Cuomo, could a Republican be poised to take the top spot in the Empire State in 2022? That's right, the governorship, folks. New York Congressman Lee Zeldin has announced his candidacy for governor yesterday. He's the first major Republican to throw his hat in the ring, and he's going to join us when we come back. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Uh, so after talking to New Yorkers who feel like this is a last stand, a last great opportunity to save New York, and the fact that to save our state, Andrew Cuomo's got to go, I'm announcing here this morning on your show that I'm running for governor of New York in 2022, and we are going to win this race. I am all in. We are all in. Losing is not an option, and we have to turn things around. New York Congressman Lee Zeldin became the first major Republican to launch a gubernatorial challenge against embattled Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo. In less than 24 hours, Zeldin's campaign announced they'd already raised more than $1 million. Clearly, New Yorkers are starting to see what's going on with Cuomo. Congressman Zeldin joins us now to discuss $1 million right out of the gate. That's good news for your campaign, sir. Tell us, what do you, what do you want to do? How, how are you going to save my home state from what feels like a slow-motion train wreck that it's been going through for the last 12 months at least? We have to turn everything around. So last summer, somebody was telling me, I can't believe how slowly New York City is dying. And I had to try to correct that person. I said, I can't believe how quickly New York City is dying right now. This is the first time in my life that we would be going into a midterm election where you have one party Democratic rule in New York City, Albany and D.C. at the same time. And the Democrats are screwing it up at every level. We have to turn so many different things around from 
the economy and taxes and jobs, the public safety, cashless bail, rising violence, not supporting law enforcement, the quality of education, kids not yet fully back in school. That list goes on. New Yorkers are looking at other states where people are paying less in taxes, cost of living lower, uh, it's warmer, freedoms are, are greater. And they're saying, what is our state, our elected representatives doing wrong where things are going in the wrong direction here and life elsewhere is looking so much better? And they hit their breaking point and they say they're gone. They're not they're not looking back. They're leaving New York permanently. It's happening every day. Governor Cuomo has nine uh, sexual harassment accusers so far. That number could still go up. And the nursing home death scandal, which I actually believe is the biggest challenge, biggest uh, issue that Cuomo really has and the cover up thereof. Uh, do you think that he's going to be able to stay in office through the end of uh, end, end of his term? I mean, do you think that you'll be running against him or are the Democrats in the state assembly actually going to decide that they have some lines that will not be that, that cannot be crossed, that there's some sense of principle? So right now we are running against Andrew Cuomo and his corruption, the scandals. We're also running against the failed liberal policies. Andrew Cuomo says that he's not resigning. There was a point like two or three weeks ago where it was looking like maybe Andrew Cuomo only had a few hours left. Uh, it seemed like even people close to the governor and in the Albany media and in the state legislature, they were acting like maybe Andrew Cuomo wasn't going to make it past the rest of the day. Governor Cuomo says he's not going anywhere. He's elected to a term right now that lasts until the end of 2022. He is facing investigations at multiple levels. He is facing an impeachment inquiry inside of the state assembly, his own party, people calling for a resignation, calling for impeachment. And who knows? what other allegations will come out that we are not aware of yet. You pointed out something so important, that deadly nursing home order and cover up, that alone is reason for Andrew Cuomo to resign from office. Uh, But he says he's not going. At the end of the day, if he leaves, if he's not able to miracle himself onto the November 2022 ballot, maybe the Democrats will end up with somebody like uh, Tish James, the attorney general. Uh, or somebody else. We'll see. But uh, we're, that's why, listen, we're not just running against Andrew Cuomo. We're also running about those, against those failed policies destroying our state. New Yorkers, as you mentioned, have been fleeing, and not just New York City residents, New York State residents out in Long Island, too, have been leaving the state for particularly Florida, Texas, but also the Carolinas, Tennessee, places that are warmer, redder, lower taxes especially for folks who are uh, small business owners and, and, and people who are having to deal with the regulatory and tax climate, how do, how do you turn that around? I mean, how can a blue state like New York, if, if you were to be the governor, how do you stop businesses from saying, oh, I want to be in Florida because I got 0%, uh, well, I know corporate taxes are a little different, but lower taxes in general, lower taxes and more regulatory freedom. How do you turn that around? Uh, Listen, Buck, if we can make you governor for a day, you would know how to do it instantly, right? It's about the policy and it's about the culture. On the policy front, it's reducing the cost to do business. It's to stop this out-of-control spending and the the tax increases to pay for it. Just like this week, we saw a new income tax rate, the highest income tax rate in the entire country, get passed up in Albany. Why? In order to pay for a new multi-billion dollar fund for people who aren't even legally in their country. On the policy front, there's ways to improve the business climate and to reduce the cost to do business. On the culture front, one is business owners don't even feel like they could get a return phone call from Albany, where they're worried about the state liquor authority harassing them to try to 
you know, close their business down because one person doesn't have a mask on. But also, we all remember what happened with Amazon in AOC's community, where they were going to put a headquarters there. And because of AOC and these other far-left Democrats uh, going after Amazon, they said, you know what, we're not going to move our headquarters there. So all the good-paying jobs, all that construction money, everything we would have done for the community is gone. And other businesses watch that treatment of Amazon. They say, why would we move our company to that area? We might get the same treatments. You turn it around on the policy front, but also on the culture front. New York State obviously has an advantage baked in for Democrats when it comes to registration. How do you overcome that as a Republican who wants to run New York State as governor? These issues we're talking about, when we talk about the attacks on wallets, on safety, on freedoms, it's these aren't just attacks on Republicans. This isn't just something that is bothering Republicans. This is not a red on blue issue. There are Democrats in New York City who are upset about rising violence, uh, about the cashless bail policies, the defund the police movement, the lack of support of law enforcement. And they know they can't be blaming Republicans for those policies and those impacts. It's the far left Democrats calling for all this craziness. And it's also the elected officials cowarding to all of this craziness. And it's all Democratic elected officials at that city level. So we're gonna talk to real people about real issues that impact them the most. Right now, if you ask them what's most important, those are the issues they talk about. Think about fall of 2022. We don't know what new issues will pop up between now and then, but I'm pretty sure they're still gonna be upset about the direction of our economy, the direction of public safety, of the quality of education. And we're right and they're wrong. We just have to keep leaning into these issues that we share that passion and emotion for. Are we seeing or are you seeing Democrats become so disaffected that you think that you'd have a good shot of having enough of them cross party lines? Not just then independents we're talking about, but some Democrats deciding that they'd go for a platform of a Republican like yours for the Empire State? Absolutely, because Democrats are saying they feel like their party has left them. They can't associate. This isn't the same Democratic Party they signed up for. They're seeing the direction of, as we were talking about earlier, that one party rule at every level. They want balance. They want not only a political balance, just they want a geographic balance. There are a lot of Democrats who live in New York City. There are also a whole lot of Democrats who don't live in New York City. Why don't they have a voice? Why don't they have a seat at the table just because they're from Long Island or the Hudson Valley or the North Country or Western New York or anywhere in between? Uh, so it's the political balance, the geographic balance. Uh, and I would say, too, like even in New York City, you have Democrats who uh, they might be registered Democrat because that's what you do in New York City. But you start talking about the issues and they don't, it's not a loyalty to the Democratic Party. They actually self-identify as conservatives. So let's get out there over the course of this runway of a year and a half of campaigning, having a campaign within a campaign in New York City. Let's get into those boroughs, run up the score in Staten Island, get into places like Manhattan Beach and Middle Village and Bay Ridge. These are pockets uh, of the boroughs and talk to groups like the Orthodox Jews, the conservatives in the Asian American community, the conservatives inside the Indian American community and more. It's that kind of an effort that's gonna win this race. Uh, you can't take anything for granted. No county is too big or too small and you have to try to find votes wherever you possibly can. And that effort all in with everyone everywhere all in is going to lead to a victory and a correction. Congressman Zeldin, thanks so much for joining us and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Zeldin for NewYork.com. Great to be with you. Talk to you soon. Couldn't the font on your food 
packaging be perpetuating stereotypes? CNN enters the next frontier in the fight against racism. Fonts! That's coming up in Quick Hits. You never thought COVID could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might, because cybercrime overall is up about 75%. And by far the most serious cybercrime to worry about when it comes to your home is home title theft. That's right, cyber criminals, foreign and domestic, are now after our homes, and it's easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now. The thief finds your home's title and forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or maybe even an eviction notice arrives. Insurance doesn't cover you, and neither do common identity theft programs. That's why I protect my home with Home Title Lock. The instant Home Title Lock detects someone tampering with my home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim, then use code RADIO to receive 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. CNN claims fonts can be racist. And why do I get the feeling I'm going to start hearing a lot more about the left having a strange new respect for John Boehner? We got those stories in quick hits. Let's get right to it. Can a font be racist? Well, let's take a look at this one. For years, this is a CNN tweet. The West has relied on so-called chop suey fonts to communicate Asianness in food packaging, posters, and campaigns. But such fonts perpetuate problematic stereotypes. What is the stereotype that is being promoted by a font? Like, I, just so I understand this, when CNN puts this up, are, are, are we being racist by just seeing the font? Or is it only if you, use, if you share the font, is that racism? It, it must be exhausting. But I guess for them, so self-gratifying too, but exhausting to be on this constant, never-ending search for the most minute possibility of tying something to any kind of racial bias or generalization or, or anything. It, it must just keep, it, I think it does keep people at CNN up at night. Oh my gosh, what will we do? <sighs> John Boehner, I haven't heard about John Boehner in quite a while. He's making the rounds now. Guy was uh, Speaker of the House for a while. Seem to have a little bit of a fondness for uh, grandpa's old cough medicine, if you know what I mean. And uh, here, uh, as well as being a big weed advocate, it turns out, that's not grandpa's old cough medicine, that's something else. John Boehner talking about uh, who he doesn't like in the GOP. Here's what he said. You call some of these members political terrorists. Oh yeah, Jim Jordan especially. My colleague from Ohio. I just never saw a guy who spent more time tearing things apart and never building anything, never putting anything together. And then there's Senator Ted Cruz, who Boehner says is the ultimate false prophet. I don't beat anybody up. It's not really my style. Except that jerk. Perfect symbol. You know, of uh, getting elected, make a lot of noise, draw a lot of attention to yourself, raise a lot of money, which means you're going to go make more noise, raise more money. And uh, uh, it's really, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that John Boehner is trashing his own side here. For what? Well, obviously for interviews and to push, I guess he's got a book or something now, so... That's why we have to hear from John Boehner at this point in time. But wouldn't it be nice if, if people on the right, if conservatives, Republicans, could just abide by that oh-so-important commandment, thou shalt not 
attack thy fellow conservatives. Just, just try that for a little while. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be a good thing? We'll see. Uh, as you know, I am a skeptic, to put it mildly, of mask mandates. I am an opponent of lockdowns. And I think that people have had real psychological damage done to them by the Fauciite consensus, which is that you have to do these things, you have to wear these masks, you have to engage in all this theatrics, or else you're a bad person. In fact, or else you may die, or you might kill somebody else by breathing, right? Our, our, our very breath, even if you feel fine, if you don't have any symptoms, your very breath can be a lethal weapon now. That's the society that we've, uh, well, that's the society we live in now that, that it's been transformed into. Here is what that, can, that kind of thinking can result in. So done with this world. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of this selfish, idiotic behavior. I have one, two, I have three inhalers. Three. And I don't want to carry this iron long with me anywhere I go. Just in case that these don't work and you have the nerve to tell me that I, you have a doctor's note not to wear this. If any doctor gave you that, it's because you're that f***ing weak. You can't wear a piece of cloth. You're a f***ing selfish bitch. And if your husband does that too in public, I hope you both catch COVID. I hope you both understand how serious this is. Get her a show on MSNBC. She's ready for it. You know, she's ready for it. Ready to go. Uh, so there is, there is that. Well, I suppose also, I'm not supposed to assume, I don't, I don't, I don't know her, the, the person's name, I'm not supposed to assume gender, so I don't know. I don't know how we're supposed to handle that anymore. Uh, Pilot Flies family kicked off Southwest flight over face mask from Denver to Austin as private plane. I like this story. We'll kick, uh, kick, send you off, not kick it off, send you off on a happy note here. Remember when there was a family with a two-year-old was kicked off of a Southwest flight? Uh, guess what? Uh, now somebody decided to fly them down private style to show them that Americans are good people, and we understand that the mask religion tyranny is idiotic. So there is hope, friends. That's what I'll leave you with for this weekend. There is hope. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. We've got the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly up next. Shields high.